Hey there, I'm Brittany, and welcome to the Cape Cod Church Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at capecodchurch.com. In the meantime, we hope you enjoy this message in our current series. I think we sort of lied to those people in Florida. It's not actually spring yet. I mean, the birds have been tricked. I mean, they're singing, but it's 42 degrees. I, I do, I, I was thinking about yesterday, I do love spring, but I'm not sure if I love spring as much as it is I hate winter. And spring signals the end of winter, right? It's the end of this, the beginning of... So I do love... I mean, I, I, don't we all, right? We love, we love good times and good things. I mean, who doesn't? No, nobody says, oh, bring on the bad times and the bad things. No, nobody does that, right? But good times and good things, we, we love good times and good things. Which I think brings us to our, our topic for today uh, about faith and following Jesus, the way of Jesus and the way to Easter. As it turns out, like, honestly, anybody can, anybody can have faith in good times. But show me a faith that works in tough times, in valleys, in the winters of life. And now, now we've got something to, to talk about. And, and on the way to Easter, we walk through that valley. I mean, that's, that, that's this story. But before we get to the, the cross and the crucifixion and the trials and all that comes with that, we, we walk into the garden. We, we usually refer to it as the Garden of Gethsemane. It, really, it's an, an olive grove. And it's nighttime. And Jesus is there, and he's got three of his closest disciples, Peter, James, and John. And, and in this moment, it seems like it seems like the reality of what is going to happen fully sets in. There's a lot we don't know about how this fully man and fully human thing worked in the life of Jesus. We're it's a mystery. We're, we're wrestling with it. But it seems like in this moment, in this place, it all becomes crystal clear to Jesus what's happening. And it's terrifying. I mean, the whole scene is just, it's terrifying. But in that terrifying scene, there is this, this beautiful story about what faith looks like in the darkest of times and how it is that it can, that it can carry us. We're picking up in the Gospel of Mark. All the Gospels tell us the story, but Mark, I think, is the place for us to go. We pick up in chapter 14. Let, let me just read it to you, this, the story of how it plays out. It starts in verse 32. It says, They went to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And Jesus said, Sit here while I go and pray. And he took... Peter, James, and John with him, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. And he told them, my soul is, is crushed with grief to the point of death. Just stay here and, and keep watch with me. It's like, it's like, and I don't mean this to be 
uh, uh, unkind, but it's like Jesus is, is falling apart. Now, if, if that bothers you, if you, you hear that, then you, you haven't fully wrestled with what it means to be fully human and fully divine. Jesus was fully both, and, and, and the human part was, was about to be butchered, and, and here he was, the reality of it is, and, and Jesus is talking about dying, and he's talking about disciples deserting him, and he's, he's sweating great drops of blood. I mean, it's just like the, the whole scene is just terrifying, and, and Jesus tells him, my soul is crushed with grief. And they don't get it. They don't, they don't understand. In verse 35, it says, he went on a little further, and he fell on the ground, and he prayed, that if it were possible, this awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. He just, he's praying, like, if there's any way, just, like, it's, it's like the reality of what is going to happen and what he's going to go through is fully setting in. And he begins to pray, and, like, if there's any other way. And, in fact, in the very next verse, verse 36, he, he uses an Aramaic word. It's translated here as Abba, Father. Right, it's a it's an intimate term. It, it's kind of it would be kind of the equivalent of, of of dad or daddy. It's it's this it's this intimate family term. It's a a, a closeness. And in fact, most Jewish people hearing this word Abba in Aramaic used for God the Father would have been offended. It's 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 too close of a term. It doesn't it doesn't show the right level of respect. But but Jesus isn't just you or I and. And, and, and he was creating a new connection here, and he's praying to the Father, Abba, Father, he cried out, everything, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. That's about as plain as you can get. God, your God, you, Father, you can do anything. You can come up with a different plan. And then he, he finishes, yet... I want your will to be done, not mine. Then verse 37 says, He returned and he found his disciples asleep. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Simon wipes the sleep out of his eyes and says, No, no. You know how it goes. Couldn't you, couldn't you even watch with me one hour? You, you, can, you can get Jesus. Is, he's... He's frustrated at the inability of his disciples just to, to endure a little bit of inconvenience, never mind suffering, and he knows everything that's in front of him. Verse 38, keep, he says, Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And Jesus left him again, verse 39, and prayed the same prayer as before. Father, please, if there's any, you, there's got to be, there's got to be another plan. There's, there, if there's any other way. Verse 40, he says, he returned again and he found them sleeping. They couldn't keep their eyes open. They didn't know what to say. Ever been there? Gave it my best. Verse 41, he returned to them a third time. So he's gone, he's prayed, he's prayed three times. Father, Father. This time he says, go ahead. Go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But no, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up. 
let's be going. My betrayer is here. Uh, he's, he's finished praying. And three times he's gone and he's asked the Father for an easier way. And the Father says, no. No. Until it's final, no. And, and Jesus, in this moment, in this, this, this little place of conversation, is he's revealing to us the heaviness of what has to be, right? The, like he's just, he, he's walking through his, his human and divine side. He's walking through the heaviness of what has to be. You, you see, faith has to be a faith that can reconcile with, with loss and, and less. It, 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 it has to have a way of, of, of walking through. No, no, no. It's, it's not, it's not going to get better yet. And we're not used to that. We, we're... We, we've, been, we've been inundated, it feels like, in our society by, and, and this is the problem with the prosperity gospel. Prosperity gospel, widely defined, is that, is that a teaching that Jesus is, it, once you trust in Jesus, everything is up and to the right. It's all good. If it's not good, you must not be good. I mean, because if you were good, certainly, Jesus wants everything up and to the right, and the only problem with that is it doesn't look like Jesus. Because Jesus was doing everything, everything, everything right, and he's enduring the, the greatest of loss. And some of you are sitting here, and you're going, whoa, 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 this is a downer message, Ben. This is like, I got the Cape Cod Church because, you know, that live fully thing. And I get it, I get it. But, but here, here's the thing, right? Like, like we, we have to understand our faith in the context of what Jesus is doing in the world, and the reality is that you can live fully with less. And you can live fully with loss. Like you can walk through seasons of deep, deep loss and still have a full life because that's what Jesus is showing us here. His life is, his life is full, but it's not, it's not all good. It's just, it's full. And it's full of purpose. It's full of design. He was doing what he had come to do. And he was walking through a season of deep, deep loss. And we do the same. We walk through seasons of loss. And if, if your only interpretation of living fully is that you get everything you want, you're, you're destined for a life of continual disappointment marked by brief episodes of happiness. And who really wants to live that way? Where we want to live is that we discover that, that life is is full even in seasons where we have less and we have loss. And I know you're thinking like, well, how does that work, Ben? How do, how do you not get what you want and life is still, it's still full? I mean, that doesn't sound very full to me because, because we're accustomed. We just we want what we want. I do. You ever go to the grocery store and you're hungry? Like, you're just like, it's like you, you had to go home. There's nothing at the house. You're just, you're hungry and, and, and you don't really know what you want. Or you would have gotten a pizza. So you just go to the grocery store and you just walk in and you're hungry and you start picking up stuff, right? And the grocery store, they're, they're, they're I mean, they're, they're, they're created by the devil, right? They, they, they set the place up to trap you. 
They lure you in with some good-looking fruit, but you walk right by that to get to the roasted chicken, right? It's right there, it's, and you can smell it, right? And so you're just, you're just gone. You're like hungry. I want that, right? So you, what do you do? You get like roasted chicken, chocolate milk, Oreos, chicken tenders, because you never know. You might want roasted chicken. You might want fried chicken. You don't know. Like take both just in case, right? And Oreos, chocolate milk, because you can dip Oreos in chocolate milk. I just gave you. That was like worth the whole day, wasn't it? Some of you are like, oh. Right? You're just filling the bag with whatever you want, right? You know, peanut butter, pickles. I don't, I'm just I'm telling you my personal list. Not together, but you never know. One comes after the other. Little breaks. And what do you think? You, you think you walk through. You're like, oh, this is... This, this bag, this will make me happy. <laughs> make you sick. Right? What does it look like when you go to the store with a list? And when you go to the store with a list, it's like you're, you're walking in and you're just, what are you doing? You're walking by stuff. I got a list. I'm here for Advil and yogurt. I don't know what else you're there for. Pickles, maybe. I mean, it's on the list. Right? Two pounds of chicken. You got your two pounds of chicken. You got a little bit of, you know, a little bit of Tabasco sauce. I don't know, but you got a list. You got a list. And a list is purpose. That's what a list is. It's purpose. And purpose allows you to leave things behind. That's what it does, right? This is purpose. Like when our lives are, are mastered, they're mastered by a purpose. It allows us to leave stuff behind. Isn't this what, isn't this... What, what Paul was telling us in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, that much maligned verse, right? And we know all things, all things, all things work together for good. But then what does it say? You can't miss the last part. It doesn't say everything is good because goodness gracious, a lot of things are not good because life is full of loss and less. But we know all things work together for good to those who are called According to his purpose. Those who love God and are called according to his purpose. My, my heart is attached to his part, and he gave me a list. Like my life, my life is his list. Like my whole life is wrapped around his list. This is what he, this is what he wants. And, and, and his list allows me to walk through life and, and to walk by stuff and to walk out of the store with less and still feel full because, because my, 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 my purpose was his list. That's how life is full, even when it seems like, like we've had less or we've lost something because, because my life is so consumed with him. He's, I, I love him, and I'm called according to his purpose. In other words, my life is led by his list. What's on his list? I don't know what's on his list, but when I walk into the store, he shows me, and sometimes he puts things in my bag, and sometimes he takes things out of my bag, but because my life is dominated by his list, my life is full because I love him and his purpose. You see what's happening here? Jesus was not going through a sad period where his life lacked fullness. He was going through his greatest season of purpose, and, and, and he was showing us something in the process of how we do too. But there's more. There's even more in this passage because how, how, do you, how do you live? What do you do like in the middle of, of, of the garden of, of betrayal 
in the darkest night. Like, what do you do? And that's, what, that's what's next. All right, let, me, let me read to you what they did. So here's, here's Jesus and his disciples. There's some other people there. We don't know. They're not all named. Some people think that uh, there, there's a verse I haven't included here, but at the very end, verse 51, it talks about a young man who was, who was beaten that night and, and escaped. Many people think it was John Mark, the author of this, this book. That's an interesting theory. But let me, let me read to you what, what happened in Mark chapter 14. In verse 43, it says, And immediately, even as Jesus said this, Judas, one of the twelve disciples, arrived with a crowd of men. The betrayal is here. Armed with swords and clubs. They had been sent by the leading priests, the teachers of religious law, and the elders. The traitor, Judas, had given them a prearranged signal. You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. Then you can take him away under guard. As soon as they arrived, Judas walked up to Jesus. Rabbi, he exclaimed, and gave him the kiss. Then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. Ah, but look at this. But one of the men with Jesus pulled out his sword and struck the high priest's slave, slashing off his ear. That's what I'm talking about. It's interesting. Uh, all the Gospels recount this story. Mark is sly about it. We think Mark is the, the, the first of the Gospels written. Did you notice how he refers to him? He, one of them standing by. Some of you have a translator says, a bystander, a bystander pulled out a sword. He won't name him. Some of the other biographers of Jesus call him a disciple. I think it's John who gets very pointed, says, oh, it was Peter. <laughs> it was Peter. Um, Mark... Mark, it's almost like he's so embarrassed. Because you remember what happened, if you've read this in the other accounts, that Jesus rebukes him, picks up that sliced-off ear, and heals the man. Maybe Mark, looking back, realized that was a bad look. I don't, I, let's not claim him as one of ours and he just refers to him as a, a, a bystander. Uh, they're not done. Verse 48, Jesus asked them, am I some dangerous revolutionary that you come with swords and clubs to arrest me? Why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was there among you teaching every day. But these things are happening to fulfill what the scriptures say about me. Now watch this, verse 50. Then all his disciples deserted him and ran away. Fight or flee, fight or flee. Which would you have done? Some of you, man, you're like, I got me a sword, or a modern day sword, I'd have fought. You're just you're, we're we're fighters, but I'm a fighter by nature. <laughs> you know, I could 
I think I'd have been the bystander. Maybe not. Maybe really down deep on the car and I just run. Which would you have done? Did you, did you notice both options are criticized? The, the sword-wielding disciple is rebuked? And all through the passage, Jesus is saying, you're going to desert me. 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 Almost like there was a third, a third option. And, and I do think there, there is a third option because on this occasion, on this occasion, the disciples, they flee. But a few days later, on Easter Sunday, they meet the resurrected Jesus. And, and the only thing that can explain the transformation in this cowardly bunch of disciples is a resurrected Jesus because they went from being the disciples who fled or who wanted to pull out a sword to being the ones who were willing to stand and give up their lives. Certainly, Peter was willing to kill, but he wasn't willing to die. That's an entirely different thing. And something so dramatically changed within these disciples' life after they saw the resurrected Jesus that they didn't need to fight and they didn't need to run. They were simply willing to stand with Jesus even if it meant dying. You, you see, the, the, third, the third option is when you and I are just are, are willing to, to stand with Jesus, just, just stand and, 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 and watch him and do what he's doing, just stand, whatever the cost, just to, to stand. I, and, I, and I wonder if maybe that wasn't the option for the, the disciples that day. Don't run. Don't fight, just stand there and watch what Jesus is doing and do what Jesus does. Just, just stand and, and watch him. Here, here's what I'm saying. I'm saying if you, if you believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, if you believe in a resurrected Jesus, you believe that 2,000 years ago he rose from the dead and he continues to be alive today. If you believe that. And if you believe that he's in you, that through a supernatural act of grace, you heard Jesus Christ knocking at the door of your heart and you said yes. And he came in and he dwelt in you and he's in you today. If you believe that he is alive and he's in you, and there's a third. If you believe he's winning, if you believe he's winning, like, that's a hard one. Believe he's alive. I believe he's in me. So I believe he's winning, like he's winning in this world. Because if you believe that, if you believe he's alive and you believe he's in you, and you believe that he is winning, even when it looks like he's not winning, then you have the ability to simply stand with him. There's something quite powerful about being able to stand and wait. Have you ever noticed how hard it is? Have you ever noticed how hard it is just to stand and to wait in the middle of a storm? Just, it's terrifying. 
It's easier to pick up a sword and swing at something. It's a lot easier to run, but, but just to... Because something happens. Something happens to you when you, you stand and you, you just you gaze. You, you just look. You look at Jesus. You look at him. Like something transforms inside of you. Something comes... And I don't overuse this word. Something becomes supernaturally powerful in you. Like there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a spiritual power in your life that doesn't come from you because you're just standing there and you're gazing at him and you're looking at him and you're with him because you believe he's alive and you believe he's in you and you believe he's winning. And there's something that happens. Have you ever noticed the power of a gaze? You know what I mean? You, you know the power of a gaze because you've tried to avoid catching people's eyes. You ever done that? You ever saw someone? You're like, don't catch your eye, don't catch your eye, don't catch your eye. Right, right. Right? Because you know, like, like, like if, I, if I catch their eye, it's like I'm trapped. It's like a, a tractor beam like from Star Trek or something. Like, ah. Right? Have, have you ever, did you ever try and catch somebody's eye? I have to be careful about this. Sometimes I'll be preaching, I'll look in one direction, and people are like, is he looking at me? Like, I, I can do it, right? Right, right, right? You know, I, I, was, I was thinking I would do it this morning, but I freak people out. It's like, you know, you could be looking at somebody in the upper deck in the far corner, like, I think he's looking at me, right? And you're like, looking down, drinking coffee, like, because like, they, like, like, there's something powerful that happens in that gaze. And here, here's what happens. If you just think about it, you think about when you want to catch somebody's eye, you're sitting in a room and conversations are happening and you catch their eye, right? You just catch their eye. And maybe you know them. And in that moment, like, 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 like you're transported to a different world. You've entered into their world and they've entered into your world. You know what I'm talking about? How, how powerful that gaze is. You're just it's like, whoa. You, you've, you've crossed this, um, this, this, this invisible boundary that allows you to enter into the world. And, and here's what I'm telling you. This is what, this is what happens in, in Scripture. Like, this is why he tells, us to, he tells us to set our eyes on him, to look at him, the reality of heaven. Like, something happens when we, when we just we stop and we don't pull out the sword and we don't, we don't swing it and we don't run off. We just, we just we stop and we, we gaze at him. In Scripture, we just we just we we gaze at, at him through his through his word. We see the reality. We listen to the words he's saying. We're we're gazing at him, right? You you gaze. Sometimes some of you and I, I'm just we we gaze in, in a song in the middle of a song of worship. It's just like it's like we're taken with it, right? It's like it's like we've we've been transferred. We're 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 somewhere else. We're, we've entered into His Word. We're, there's a, there's a there's a spiritual connection. This is why He tells you: set your eyes on heaven. Set your eyes on what He's doing. Right? This is this is what happens. It's what happens. It's what happens in prayer. It's what happens when you can just like like set aside the world and the busyness of the world and the pressure that's just crushing you. And in the quiet, just gaze at him. It's hard because we're so busy. Like, there's so many things going, look here, look here, look here, look here, do this, swing this sword, run this place. But, like, something happens when we just, we stop. And we gaze at him. And we see him. And like the disciples, we discover he's alive. And he's in us. And odd as it may seem, he's winning. He's winning. And in that place, we're transformed. I'm not telling you what I think. 
what I think he'll do. Right? I'm not, I'm not telling him. Sometimes, does God wants us to fight sometimes? For sure. Does he want us to flee sometimes? For sure. Does he, but, but here's what I found. Most of the time in my life, he just wants me to wait. And I'd rather swing a sword. I'm not lying. I would rather swing a sword. But most of the time, he just says, just, just, just stop here. Okay, what do I do while I stop? Just look at me. If you want to sing, sing. If you want to read, read. If you want to pray, pray. But just, just gaze at me. Just cross that place and step into this place where the reality, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, where the reality of heaven, set yours, because you have been raised to new life in him, set your sights on the reality of heaven, the reality of who he is. Just set your sights, because in that place, something supernatural happens, and often it's the strength to just stand and wait. And for some of you, maybe that's precisely where you're at. You're walking through one of these deep, deep valleys and you want to swing a sword or you want to run for cover. And I don't, I don't know what to tell you other than that I know the answer is in him is just in resting and waiting and gazing at him and look to Jesus. And maybe, maybe you're here and you say, Ben, I, I believe in Jesus, but I don't believe he's in me yet. Revelation says it this way, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, the door of our heart. If any of you will open the door and let me in, I will come in and dwell with you. It's a beautiful verse, but it's a truth. In that place, in that moment where you hear God calling to you to say yes to him, to Jesus Christ, there's no better decision you could make. Would you bow with me in a word of prayer? We finish each service with a a moment of prayer. It's a, a chance for us just to reflect on what it is that maybe God is doing in our lives. Maybe you find yourself in that valley and you just need a few quiet moments to just look to Jesus. Maybe when we're finished praying and we stand and we sing a song, you just need that moment to just look to him. I don't have an answer for you. I don't know if it's fight or flee or stand or wait, but I know where the answer is found. I know that something happens for those who believe he's alive and he's in us. And ultimately, he's winning. That something will transform in you in that place that you just gaze on him. But maybe, maybe you're, you're here and you, you've been listening to the story of Jesus. Indeed, maybe you've known it well all your life or maybe it's brand new to you. And maybe you're 
you're at that place where you're ready to say yes to him. You want him in your life. You want to place your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ, in Christ alone. I just want to give you a moment to do that. The quiet of the moment, just to pray. It's a prayer of faith from your heart. No, no church can do it for you. No pastor can do it for you. I, I'm going to lead in a prayer, but there's no, there's no magic words. It's just, it's a prayer of faith. It's the prayer that says, Jesus Christ, I believe in you. I believe you died for me so I could be forgiven and you rose again. I accept that gift. I invite you into my life. If that's, that's you, I invite you to pray right now. Right where you're seated or wherever you're watching from. Maybe something like this. Dear God, you know me. And you know my story. You know of all of my ups and downs. You know the places I struggle and the places I've failed. You know every sin. And I believe you died for me so that I could be forgiven today, right here, right now. I say yes to your gift of grace. I open the door of my life and I invite you in. I want to live my life fully for you. Thank you, God, for your incredible grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in to this message from our current series. If this is your first time listening, we'd love to meet you in person. We have services every Sunday at 10 a.m. in East Falmouth, Massachusetts, or join us for our Sunday live stream on YouTube at the same time. If you enjoyed the Cape Cod Church podcast, we hope you'll consider leaving us a review so that other people can discover us too. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. Thanks again for tuning in, and I'll see you on the next episode.